Hey, church. Good morning. That was pretty good. We're not even going to do it twice. That's how good it was. It was good to see you. Hey, we're going to take some care of some business at the front end today because I want to end a little bit differently today. So the first thing is, is just that if small groups, is this, if God's been working in your heart and he's been speaking to you and you're starting to recognize a need for community into your life, then you need to take some action steps. The first one is, is that we're looking for host homes and leaders, and we are ready for you to receive your information. Go to the app, go online, click small group, and you'll have a form that will give us the information we need, where you are, what days, what times you can do it, and that kind of stuff. And then what we will do as a uh, the church staff is we're going to publish that on the app or on uh, online so that you who are looking to join a small group can go and have that information accessible. So that you can contact and email the leader of that group in that area. Algonquin, this guy, okay, I can contact him, okay? But we need that soon. So go do that, okay, for me. Do that for me so that we can get on that and have that accessible when March gets here. Because March is like a week away. On top of that, small group leaders. Next Sunday, we're going to be doing a short, and I'm emphasizing short, okay, small group training right after church. So I'll be doing that probably upstairs on the third floor. We need to know if you can make it to that, and we'll get a few refreshments and stuff like that for you. But it's just going to give you some tips on how to foster the type of community, the biblical community I feel like God's calling us to. Okay? Really simple. Uh, online people, we are doing communion at the end of service today. And so if you have not, or if you were not prepared, go ahead and take time during the service to go to your pantry, find your Doritos, find your Pepsi, find your Mountain Dew, whatever, get prepared. Whatever you have on hand, God will use it to take communion in your living rooms today, okay? If you're in the house today and you did not get it, you'll have a chance, okay? When we get to that part, I'll ask you to raise your hands and the ushers will be prepared to come bring it for you, okay? Business is over. Good? One last thought. Steve came up here and he talked about rest. And this, I w- I've been thinking about this. I wasn't going to put it in my sermon, but he said rest, so it kind of triggered me. So we'll, we'll, we'll talk about it for a second. Of all the spiritual disciplines, fasting and prayer, reading your Bible, silence and solitude, generosity, simple living, all, all there's tons of them. But there are three ones to focus on first. Three ones that kind of incorporate all the other ones. Three ones that set the foundation for you to do all the other ones. The first is silence and solitude, time with God, time in the wilderness. Get away and get with God. The second is living life in community. Because all the other ones express themselves or receive them in the boundaries of community. And third is what Steve said is rest. I did a whole series, I think, last year on Sabbath and what that means. And the rest and Sabbath is a little, it doesn't make sense to us, but you can say rest, Okay. Rested people love well. Rested people are open to being diverted by God. Rested people can be inconvenienced because community will inconvenience you. Community will get in you and say, hey, I need help here. But you're like, hey, I got time next week. No, I need help now. If you're not rested, it's hard to do that. Silence and solitude. More time with God, time with people, time to rest. All right, let's pray, and then we're going to get the message today. Father, thank you, God, for your people. Lord, I come back this week, God. I'm just so thankful for the church that you've built. I'm so thankful, God, for the house that you've given us care of. Thank you, God, for this community, this body, this faith community, God, that believes, that trusts, that shows up week after week, online, in person, in finances, God, to help, to serve, to seek you. Lord, I pray that you would just help me to communicate well the message you have today, Father. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. Hey, where we're starting today is with the pinky toe. Are you excited? He's talking about the pinky toe? This is not off to a good start. Talking about the pinky toe. Have you ever thought about your pinky toe? Come on, on a show of hands. No? Have you ever thought about how useless the pinky toe is? Like, what does it do down there? I had a friend that called it the Nemo. It just kind of swims around there. It does nothing, okay? Its purpose seems to challenge our faith when we stub it. Get out! Oh, you're going to have to apologize for that word, okay? What does it do? (laughs) 
we're going somewhere with this. Okay, listen to this. Though all the bones in the foot come together to form the structure of the foot, the main bones responsible for our balance are the metatarsals. We, talk, we walk in a tripod fashion where the big toe, the fifth toe knuckle, and the heel have a tripod walking ability. If you remove one part of that tripod, you lose balance. So even though the pinky toe itself has no functional value, removing the metatarsal would make running, walking, skipping nearly impossible. Your pinky toe serves a purpose. You have a purpose. And today I really felt like there are some people in here that feel useless in the body of church. Today I really felt that there are some people that feel like there are other people that we disqualify because we're like, what do they do? What do they bring? I couldn't possibly learn from that. Or I couldn't possibly teach that. Or I couldn't possibly help that person move in the body of Jesus Christ. I couldn't po- I'm not called. I'm not equipped. I'm just a fill in the blank. But you serve a function in the body of Christ. We've talked the last two weeks about the community that Jesus was building, and now this week we're going to be talking about the function of family, or the function of community. What actually happens in biblical community? What actually happens when you get together with a bunch of other people that are trying to follow Jesus and trying to help you and you're trying to help them become like the master? What does that practically look like? Because you have a role in that. Have you ever had the lie? If I died today, nobody would notice. If I stop texting, if I stop showing up, nobody will ever call. I bring nothing to the table. I truly believe that is a lie from Satan, trying to disqualify you and cripple the body of Christ. And today, I'm feeling so strongly that God is saying, and I don't use that lightly, I really mean this, I believe that God is saying that you have a part. Whether you are the arm, or the leg, or the pinky toe, the little Nemo just swimming down there, we don't know what you do, but you balance the whole structure. Come on, church, let's get a little excited about today. Let me hear from the pinky toes in the house of the church. I know, it's weird, but we're going to go somewhere with it, okay? If you can turn with me to Ephesians chapter 4 today, we're going to start there. Ephesians chapter 4. Ephesians chapter 4. Verse 1. Verse 1. It says, Therefore I, a prisoner for serving the Lord, beg you to lead a life worthy of your calling, for you've been called by God. Always be humble and gentle. Be patient with each other, making allowance for each other's faults because of your love. Make every effort to keep yourself united in the Spirit, binding yourselves together with peace. For there is one body and one Spirit, just as you've been called to one glorious hope for the future. There is one Lord, one faith, one baptism, and one God and Father, who is over all and in all and living through all. However, he's given each one of us a special gift through the generosity of Christ. Skip down to verse 11. Now, these are the gifts of Christ. These are the gifts Christ gave to the church, the apostles, the prophets, the evangelists, and the pastors and teachers. Their responsibility is to equip God's people to do his work, to build up the church, the body of Christ. We are the body of Christ, church. This will continue until we all come to such unity in our faith and knowledge of God's Son that we will be mature in the Lord measuring up to the full, the complete standard of Christ. Now jump to verse 15. Instead, we will speak the truth in love, growing in every way more and more like Christ, who is the head of his body, the church. He makes the whole body fit together perfectly. As each part does its own special work, it helps the other parts grow so that the whole body is healthy and growing and full of love. You have a part to play in the body of Christ. We make up the body. There is one head, there is one leader, there is one that we pursue after, one that makes the decisions, that's Jesus. But his body is made up of us, the believers, the disciples, the ones that follow after him. His, he is expressed through the world, through you, through me. You are the expression of God's love to your neighbors to the people that work with you, to your family. 
It flows through you, and you have a part to play. But we have an issue in our culture right now. Our issue is an issue of idolatry. And it's going to be different than you think. We have an issue with celebrity, with fame. I have nothing against celebrity pastors. I have nothing against churches that have wide reach. I believe that they're doing what God's called them to do and the function that God's called them to do. But what we have an issue with is that it's easy to see somebody up here performing at a level that is pretty far beyond our capability and to think that we no longer have responsibility. Oh, man. I could never write a song like Furtick. I'm not going to try. Man, I could never preach like Craig. I can't do it. Man, I can never, you fill in the blank, the people you follow. I'm all about, I listen to tons of other influential leaders in my life that have much, large reaches. But when we idolize the fame, the celebrity, we forget we have a place in the body of Christ. You have a mission. You have a person to reach. You have somebody to, to, to affect, to show God's love to, and you miss it if you think it's just for others. Braden, I'm just, Braden, right here. You have a purpose. You have people to touch. I can't, man. You have a calling. I've got a platform, but so do you, bro. I'm feeling that strongly. Brain's about to run out of here because he hates that kind of attention. But if I could look each one of you in the eyes, I would tell you the same thing, is that you have a part in the body. You have a function in the body. When I wanted to do this message, I wanted to send out a church-wide message to everybody to wear your Church on the Rock shirt, whatever you have, the black one, the orange one, whatever you have, because I wanted to look like a family reunion today, where everybody shows up with the fame shirt, like when family, right, or poppy, or whatever, they have the weird names on there. I just wanted to be like a family function today. We are the family of God, and each one of you has a function inside the body of God. Amen? Dietrich Bonhoeffer, we're, not, we're familiar with this guy. We talked about him last week. He says this, The church does not need brilliant personalities, but faithful servants of Jesus and the brethren. I had a boss. I worked in construction for a lot of years, and I had a boss that we would level things. I worked in concrete, and water is part of that business. And he would say, Water always finds the path of least resistance. When it comes to fame, it's easy to feel like whew, our responsibility just flows out of us into them. They've got it. They've got the ability. They've got the anointing. They've got the skill. They've got the schooling. They've got the words. They've got the right clothes. They've got the whatever. But it's, we forget that we have a function. You are vital to the health of the body of Christ. You are vital to the health of this church. We need you in order to operate, to grow, and to move in the correct move of the Spirit. The church health does not rely on the staff of the church, or even the volunteers of the church. It relies on your shoulders and my shoulders. We each have a part to play. I know I'm going so strong on this, and I keep saying the same thing over and over again, but I felt this week... This message is a lot less, um, a little bit more preaching, a little bit le- less lecture this week. As I was preparing for this, I saw uh, Brian this last week. I got a chance to connect with him for just a little bit. And can I tell you the first thing that he said to me after he hugged me? He said, Josh, I've been hearing something in my spirit. Every joint supplieth. Every joint supplieth. I said, Brian, Brian. You do not know what I'm talking about Sunday. I'm talking about the body of Christ. Ephesians 4 is already on my notes. He said, what? And then I hear it in the teaching. I hear it in passerbys. I hear it as I'm walking by. What the? What? Did you talk about the body of the Christ? I don't even know you, but what did you say? Did you say body of Christ? Yeah, okay. Everywhere I've been going this last week, God's been body of Christ, body of Christ, body of Christ. You have a part. Every joint has a purpose. You have a part. You plug in somewhere and you have a part. What gets overwhelming is, what does that look like? 
Well, I don't, I don't know what my calling is. I don't know what I'm supposed to do. I don't know. I, I, I don't know. I've got kids. I can't show up early. I can't serve in downstairs. My, I'm, I, can't, uh, I, can't, I can't help on serve team. Or I don't feel called to this. Or I don't, feel, I don't have a message to preach. But you do. Every one of us has a function to perform inside of the context of community. We're going to get to that a little bit later. Every one of us performs a ministry. Every one of us performs and receives ministry within the context of community. And every single one of us can do it. Called to do it. Should be doing it. And that's where we're kind of going today. But before we do that, I just want to tell you a little testimony or story about me and Amy. Amy and I have been here, uh, I think this fall is going to be seven years now. We've been involved in a part of this church for seven years. But when we first came here, I didn't come here as staff. I came here with a list of five churches, newly moved to Hampshire, just got married out of college, moved to Hampshire, Illinois, found five churches that were within 20 minutes of driving, and we were just driving by and checking them out. And so Amy and I, I think this was the third or fourth church we checked out, we showed up in the parking lot and I said, Amy, this is a mega church. Look how big the building is. I'm just not feeling called to that right now. I'm just not about that. See, my background is 30-member church. Six of them was my family. <laughs> College, me and Emmy went to a 60-person church where it was like 70% were college students that we went to school with. I've been, to, I've been to a lot of different organizations. I've been a part of different churches. I've been a part of, I've been a part of mega churches with three to 5,000 members and part of the youth groups that were a couple hundred kids. And I've, been, I've had a, a good, a well-rounded appetite. But at this particular moment, I just, feel, I, I just want small. I want community. I want connection. I want somebody I can know. So I said, I said, this isn't it. It's a big square warehouse in the cornfields. I don't want to go here. I hope Brian's not listening. <laughs> it's beautiful, Brian. You did a great job. Okay. So we walk in, and as soon as Brian opens his lips, I knew we were supposed to stay. Because what I was looking for was a move of the Spirit, but grounded in the Word of God. I wanted freedom, but not freaky. I wanted allowance to experience God, but I didn't want emotional hype about it. And Brian provides that. Brian is so grounded in that, where he moves in the spirit, but he's grounded in the word. So I said, okay, we're here. Fast forward three months. Brian stands up here and says, hey, church, I'm leaving. I'm going on sabbatical for a year. Are you serious? <laughs> we just got here. We have barely even gotten to know the ushers yet. And so Brian, he says that, and he leaves. And there was great, there was great process. They had great uh, people that Gary Blanchard filled the pulpit and the staff and the current staff at that time. They did a great job. But we were here for Brian. You see, because a pastor can grow a Sunday morning. A pastor can grow the church. Because you connect with the sermon, you connect with the leadership, you connect with the worship team, you connect with the lights or the aesthetics or the coffee shop or whatever, that, that draws you in. That's the appetizer that says, okay, I'll have the entree, give me the more, okay? But those things caught us, and so a pastor can grow a church on a Sunday morning. But a pastor can't keep people. So very quickly, we said, I got in the car with Amy, I said, Amy, we have a decision to make. Are we here because we're called to Brian? Or are we here because we're called to Church on the Rock? That was a tough decision. Because we were coming to get fed by Brian. Give me the word. Give me the spirit. That's what caught my attention. So we decided to stay. And very quickly after that, I met Caitlin. And she introduced us to Brayden. And if you know Brayden, you know that that was the one. She was like, hey, Brayden, come here. He's like, uh-uh. I don't want to talk to those people. And he came over. And we met them. And they quickly transitioned us into a small group that we were part of for about a year. Pastors can draw people in because we have the platform. We have the charisma. We have the public voice, the face. But people keep people in the church. 
People keep the back door shut. People come in the front, but people always walk out the back. And if you do not make relational ties, your time is ticking before you go and check out a new place. So our story started with Braden and Caitlin meeting them out there. I'm the kids' pastor. I'm the worship pastor. Yada, yada. Hey, we've been looking for a couple people. Is there a small group? Yeah, there's a couple. Let's just hang out. Okay. There's no curriculum. There's no plan. We just hung out every week. And God started ministering to us, and people kept us here. I really don't think we would be here if it wasn't for the people that we met at this church. You have a function. You have a part of the body, something that we can't do. The staff can't do. You will reach more people in this church. You will have a tighter grasp on the people you bump shoulders with. The people that came, your neighbors, your family, your friends, became because you invited them. Because you're doing a Facebook Live party, and they said, hey, what's his name? He's watching? What is he watching? I'll jump in. Oh, okay, cool. And then because of that, because of that original tie, you have a place to speak in that person's life that I, I may not get. So that's my short little testimony of how Amy and I kind of got here into this church. Right away, we had a decision maker. Are we here because of Brian? Are we here because we feel called? And right after that, we got to link arms with some of our closest friends that kept us here in so many ways. Are you doing okay? Okay. So what happens in community? What's the practical? What's the actual things that will actually happen? What do we actually do when we get together? Because you know what? It's so easy to do community groups, to show up, which is good. We need people that show up. There's power in showing up. You may not know what to say. You might not have the right words, but you show up. You're present. That has power. Because there's been so many people and institutions that flake out us, flake out on us in life. It's almost surprising when we find somebody that keeps showing up for us. So show up. But, man... That guy, I love Ephesians 4, but he was talking about the pinky toe, and I don't know if you'll get what that's about, but, you know, I'm having a pretty good week, and okay, bye. See you next week. And it's so easy to keep the small group here, where it's more of just a gathering, but it's lacking the ministry. And so today we're going to jump into four things. Dietrich Bonhoeffer, again, we talked about him last week. He, he presents actually a bunch of them, but I took four that he, I felt kind of we could kind of pull together, kind of complete uh, uh, in a couple together, and four things, four practical things that community does. And it's called the ministry of community. And it requires participation in the ministry of community to see it happen. And so the very first one is this, the ministry of listening and confession. The ministry of listening and confession. Mother Teresa says, this was an interview, Dan Rather, CBS anchor, he once asked Mother Teresa what she, what she said during her prayers. She answered, I listen. So Dan turned the question and asked, well then, what does God say? Mother Teresa smiled with confidence and answered, he listens. <laughs> okay. For an instant, Dan didn't know what to say. And if you don't understand that, Mother Teresa said, I can't explain it to you. The first ministry that we can offer to one another is to simply just stop talking. Because <laughs> we're people that like to talk. I have got the Holy Spirit gift of gab. Okay, I can come in and just gab, gab, gab all day. Anybody, hey, okay, we can talk. But it's so easy, it's hard to stop. My wife was reading this book, one a counselor, and she says it this way. You were given two ears and one mouth for a reason. Just listen. Again, Dietrich Bonhoeffer. You're going to hear a lot of him, okay? But it's, it's good. He says, just as love to God begins with listening to his word, so the beginning for the love of brethren is learning to listen to them. It is God's love for us that he not only gives us his word, he also lends us his ear so that it is his work that we do for our brother when we learn to listen to him. 
James 1.19, he says, understand this, my dear brothers and sisters, you must all be quick to listen, slow to speak, slow to get angry. Proverbs 10.19, too much talk leads to sin. Be sensible, keep your mouth shut. Proverbs 17.28, even fools are thought wise when they keep silent. With their mouths shut, they seem intelligent. I can do that. Proverbs 21, watch your tongue, keep your mouth shut, and you will stay out of trouble. Proverbs 29.20, there is more hope for a fool than for someone who speaks without thinking. And here's a prayer if that struggles with, if you struggle with this. Psalm 141.33, take control of what I say, O Lord, guard my lips. It's so easy is that when we hear a problem, we just want to jump in and fix it. We're not even really listening. We have, it's this half listening of where we are just listening for when you breathe so I can step in and give you my opinion on how to fix your life. Yeah, go! This is what you should do. Provide a space in your community where you are just quiet and it's safe and people can just talk unhurriedly. John Mark Comer says that, that there's no love in haste. When you push somebody to get the words out, we're guessing where they're going, just get it out. You lack love. Love them enough to let them speak. I've learned this with my wife. Guys, I'm just going to tell you right now, we're going to go a little long today. So just strap in for me, and uh, it's going to be good though, okay? So just so you have expectations are met, we're going to go a little bit longer today. So I've learned this with my wife, is that I have learned that as soon as she starts telling me about an issue going on in her life, I need to stop her and say, hey, honey, just really quick, do you want a solution? Or are you just asking me to listen? I just need to talk. Oh, okay, all right. All of a sudden, the pressure's gone. It saves me a lot of, uh, a, a lot of uh, I don't even know the word, a lot of sweat. Like, because I'm just like, just do this. Just say this to Jeannie and then tell her to do this and then put the shot here and then just, and then it'll be fixed. Let me, give me the phone. Give me the phone. I work with them. They don't even know who you are. I, okay. You just want me to listen. Provide a safe place where you can listen to each other. We're not going to go into this deep, but in this same vein of listening comes corporate confession. James 5.16 says, confess your sins to each other. Confess your sins to each other. And pray for each other so that you may be healed. James 5.16. If you want a fuller teaching on that, go back to the last Sunday before of 2020. And we did a, that whole sermon. The later half of that sermon is about corporate confession. But listening is not only a safe place to speak. You also find a safe place to confess. Because you were not meant to live life alone. You're not meant to live sin alone. Satan wants to keep you isolated and alone. Remember, when I'm isolated is when the lion eats me. If you don't get that, go back to last week. When you are isolated is when you're in danger. But in community, when you bring somebody else in, you're able to open up and allow people to speak into your life. When you give somebody the trust, because you have to tear down. We are so good at wearing masks, especially in this last year. We've gotten a lot better. But it's so easy to walk into a group and keep your guard up. I showed up, but I never let anybody inside. That starts to happen when you start letting, when you start listening, and you're not quick to speak. You're quick to listen and to provide a safe place for that person to let it out. The second one is the ministry of help, and this one's very practical. If you turn to Acts chapter 2, this is kind of our uh, go-to verse for community. Acts chapter 2, verse 42, he says, All the believers devoted themselves to the apostles' teaching and fellowship and to sharing meals, including the Lord's Supper, and to prayer. A deep sense of awe came over them, and the apostles performed many miraculous signs and wonders. All the believers met together in one place, 
shared everything they had. They sold their property, possessions, shared their money with those in need. They worshiped together at the temple each day, met in homes for the Lord's Supper, shared their meals with great joy and generosity, and all the while praising God, enjoying the goodwill of the people. And each day, the Lord added to their fellowship those who were being saved. One of the most practical ministries that you can render, that you can give to your brother, to your sister, is when there is a need and you have the power to fulfill it, fulfill it. Do not push off. Do not be the water that looks for the course of least resistance to go that way. Well, you know, I could, I have this extra, I could buy you groceries, I could take you, I could pick you up, but you know what? Uh, why don't you call the church and see if they can pick you up in the church van? No, you do it. If you know them, if they're in your community, if you can fulfill the need, then go do it. One of the easiest, one of the most practical ways of ministering inside of a community is to simply fulfill needs. Spend time with people enough and needs will arise. You don't even need to go looking. You don't even need to start looking very hard. This will start popping up. And Jesus referred, I don't, this is just coming, I don't know where it is, but it's in Matthew, I think, somewhere. He says, when you feed the least of these, you feed me. Thank you for feeding me. Thank you for clothing me. Lord, we didn't ever clothe you. We didn't ever feed you. When you fed those in need, you fed me. When you clothe those naked, you clothe me. And so rendering a service, rendering the ministry of fulfilling a need is rendering ministry to Jesus himself. One of the things I've rejoiced the most with in this last year of COVID is that when people, I heard of a few stories that popped up of people that couldn't pay their mortgage because they fell on hard times because of COVID and job situations. But I heard of the need after it was fulfilled. They never asked for benevolence. They never asked for church help. They called in saying, hey, I want to give you a praise request or a praise report. We couldn't make mortgage this week. But somebody, somebody dropped off a check and we're good. If we can fulfill each other's needs before they even come to the corporate place, you are participating in the ministry of God, and you can do that. Fulfilling needs is easy. It doesn't require a lot of work. It's requiring eyes to see. The good Samaritan, the man that was broken and beaten on the road, the religious uppities crossed and walked by, stepped over him and said, ooh, don't touch me. Eey, you're a little stinky. Ooh, you're a little needy. I don't need more needy in my life. But then the neighbor, the Samaritan, racial conflict, ethnic differences, the last person you'd expect sees the need and fulfills it and says, you're participating in the kingdom of God. If you see a need, fulfill it. The ministry of helping. Galatians 6.3 says, If you think you are too important to help somebody, you are only fooling yourself. You are not that important. I found some just really blunt scriptures today, and I'm really liking it. If you think you're important, guess what? You're not. I receive that word. I don't know if you do, but I receive that. I'm not too important to clean a bathroom, to hold a baby, to give somebody a ride. Oh, I did have in my notes. Matthew 25, fulfilling needs around us is the ministry of actually giving to Jesus. Third is the ministry of bearing. Bearing means to endure, to accept the weight, to accept the responsibility for something. I don't just fulfill the needs of my children. I also bear with them. I am responsible for them. I don't just say, well, I fed you three times and changed your diaper this week and I provided a place for you to sleep so my job as a father is done. No, I bear with them. If Nora comes home and she's emotional and had a hard day at school for some reason because that kid said he, he was Natalie's best friend but he's not my best friend and, and he's the worst. Well, no, babe, I already fed you. I don't owe you anything. Please go away. I'll see you again tomorrow. No. Oh, my God. Baby, come here. Let me hold you. I'm sorry. That little butt. Let's, where is his address? I'll kill him. Okay? What is... I feel what she's feeling. 
I get down on her level. I look her in the eyes and I pick her up and I experience it with her. We are called to bear each other's burdens. I, in, in my current career and profession, funerals and weddings are things that we deal with. That's part of the function of the church. And funerals are so hard for me. Because I feel so awkward. I, I, I struggle with the gift of gab. I struggle with just wanting to come in and fix something. And there's no fixing grieving. It's something you must just walk through and walk through that process. And so my wife has experienced a lot more loss than I have at this point in my life. And so we've talked, and this is a lesson I've learned from Amy, is that you don't really need a platitude of words. You don't need all the things. And if you've experienced loss, you this probably relates to you. If you, you don't need somebody who's coming and telling you it's going to be okay on the other side. You don't need that in that moment. You just need somebody that says, I'm here. How can I help you? I'm so sorry. You don't have to go through this alone. We bear each other's burdens. We share the backpack. When Amy and I go to the zoo, and the baby's crying. We got to put her on her hip. We share that responsibility. Give her to me. I got it. Hey, I'm tired. Can you take her for five minutes? Thank you. You're going to be very worn out. You're going to be very thin. You're going to be very tired if you do not live in community because you are bearing all the problems of your life in isolation. And Jesus never expected you to bear it alone. They gathered together. They shared their possessions. They took care so that nobody was in need. We can fulfill needs. We also show up to help. We also show up to be present. Amy told me that she went through a season of her life where she lost three people very quickly, in quick succession, right after one after the other. And in a season where she was just hurting and reeling and didn't know what to do, the most, <laughs> the most meaningful text message she got was a friend from high school that just texted her a heart. That was it. No words, no it's going to help you, no help. Just somebody that she knew, she's saying, we've been separated by time and space, but I heard what's going on. I love you. I'm here for you. Galatians 2, 3. Galatians, uh, sorry, sorry. Galatians 6, verses 2 to 3. Share each other's burdens. In this way, obey the law of Christ. If you think you are too important to help somebody, you are only fooling yourself. You're not that important. Diedrich Bonhoeffer. God took men upon himself, and they weighted him to the ground. But God remained with them, and they with God. And in bearing with God, he maintained fellowship with them. In the context of community, this is something we can all do. We can be there for each other. You don't need to experience this loss. You don't need to experience that disappointment. You don't need to experience that hardship alone. I'm here for you. What can I do? You just need to go out. You want to go watch? You want to watch an episode of uh, Community? Let's do it. You want to watch an episode of Friends? Come on over. You just need a place to eat dinner? Come to my house. You need to press into this a little bit. You need a place to express this. I'm all ears. It'll look different in every time and every way. But you'll know what to do. Just be present. Just show up. The last one that we're going to talk about today is the ministry of proclaiming. Now, a lot of us, this may have been irritating you because the thing is, all of the past three things, the ministry of listening, the ministry of help, the ministry of bearing and community, really don't require you speaking. require you being quiet, showing up, pulling out your wallet. They don't really require your input. And some of us are so geared towards giving the input, giving the quick fix, giving the thing. We've been like, when do we get to speak into somebody's life? That's how I feel. I don't know about you guys, but that's how I feel. Let me tell you what to do. So I have a picture for you, though. This was taught to me in college as an RA. When you spend time with somebody, 
you're investing in that person. When you spend time with somebody, take them out for coffee, you're building up change. When you are there for somebody and, oh, you need five bucks here, I got, you lost your wallet, I'll get you covered. Culver's. You're investing in them. And when you participate in the ministry of listening, of helping, of bearing, you're investing in your relationship with them. Because when you get to proclaiming the word of God to somebody, when you get to speaking into their life, if you do not have the relational change in the jar, it's going to fall on flat ears. Who are you to speak to me like that? Who, who are you to call me out? Who are you to say, I don't need this. Get out of my life. But if you've taken the time to minister, you have the time, you have the change to go the distance to make sure that you can make it. I'm not going to book a one-way flight unless I know I can book the flight back. I got, I got just enough money to get there, but I don't know if I can make it back. Make sure you've put the time in to be heard, that you have the platform to speak in somebody's life. This is often the first one we gravitate to, but it should be the last. Bonhoeffer says, the Christian needs another Christian who speaks God's words to him. He needs him again and again when he becomes uncertain and discouraged, for by himself he cannot help himself without belying, which means false representation or misrepresentation, the truth. We need each other. God gave us the spoken word so that we could speak it to each other. It's not just an oral translation. It came down through the written word so that I could read it, so that I could equip myself, so that when you're discouraged, I could speak it to you. And in that moment, I'm not speaking Joshua's words to you. I'm speaking God's words over you through a human mouthpiece. That can be encouraging, but it also can be rebuke. I've had people that I love, and I've given them allowance to speak into my life. I've taken down the boundaries. I've been with them enough where they can come into my life and say, Josh, that music you're listening to, that's not in line with who I know you want to be. Those clothes you're wearing, that's not showing off the parts of you that you want to show off. (laughs) The way you just spoke to that person is not the Jesus follower I know you want to be. That type of movie, that type of TV show, that specific, that is not the person I know you're called to be. That's not the person I know who you are. And when you render the service of proclaiming God's word to each other, James, 1, uh, James 5, 19 says, My dear brothers and sisters, if someone among you wanders away from the truth and is brought back, you can be sure that whoever brings a sinner back from wandering will save that person from death and bring about the forgiveness of many sins. You have a responsibility to your community. Dallas Willard, great theologian, He's passed now, but he's just a wealth of knowledge. He says this in an interview I was reading of his once. He says, most of them, he's referring to college students, but I think he refers to all of us. He says, most of them don't know what community means because community means assuming responsibility for other people. That means paying attention and not following your own will, but submitting your will, giving up the world of intimacy and power you have in the little consumer world you've created. It's so easy to take the passive path of least resistance and say, that's their problem. They'll figure it out. They're doing something wrong. God will convict them. They need something right. God will help them. No. You have the ability to speak into somebody's life, not just your words, but God's very own words. Worship band, you guys can start making your way forward. God has equipped you to minister, to represent him, Jesus, his love, 
to be rendered to your brother and to your sister. Too often we cry what Cain and Abel did. Am I my brother's keeper? Is it, is it my fault? Am I supposed to pay? Yes. Yes. Yes, it is. Because you have a part, church. You have a part in the body. Something unique to you. Your own special gift to supply. We've talked a lot the last three weeks about community. I've given you, this has been a big um, information dump. And maybe you're swirling a little bit. And you're like, where, where do I start? Where does this happen? I want to summarize just a few things. Have you ever reset your phone? Have you ever reset your iPhone, set it back to factory resetting? It always comes up with the same prompt, right? You select English, select your language, same prompt, and then you get to that same background. Right now, that background is like the rainbow kind of thing. It always has a factory default mode. The default mode of a small group is Ephesians 4, 15. Speaking truth in love is your default mode. Let me read it. Instead, we will speak the truth in love, growing in every way and more and more like Christ, who is the head of the body of the church. He makes the whole body fit together perfectly as each part does its own special work. It helps the other parts grow so that the whole body is healthy and growing and full of love. When you show up to your community group, when you show up with those people and consistently do that, show up for them, Your goal is to speak truth to them and to love them. And if you keep those two things in your mind, you will be doing the work of God. Whether it's the ministry of helping or proclaiming or bearing or listening, you'll you'll figure it out. Just show up and default mode is love. John Ortberg, he's a pastor, he says, spiritual formation and community is mostly about loving people. That is something we can do. Church, that is something you do do well and you can do more of. Community is just as important of a spiritual practice as fasting, as prayer. But in practice means that we mess up, we don't get it right, that we're learning together and that we're growing in it. You're going to have some bumps in the road. You're going to get in and you're going to start doing this and it's going to be hard. It is not easy to take masks off. It is not easy to let somebody in. It's not easy to ask for help. I'd rather starve than ask for help. I'd rather rather go without than ask for somebody that could supply. It's a humbling effect. And people are annoying. Amy told me this story. I, I don't know why I keep talking about Amy so much this week, but I guess I really like her. Amy once told me this story where she went home from college. It was like her junior year, and her brother came home up from break at the same time. And they walked in. They looked at each other. They didn't say a word. Stephen opens the basement door. Amy walks down, shuts the door. He walks down. And they just start pummeling each other. Families fight. I'm not going to tell you the kinds of things I did to my siblings because you would respect me a lot less, but families fight. You get into your community group, you start becoming a family, you start rubbing shoulders, you're going to start fighting. Show up. Push through. Don't stop when it hurts. Because this is not a full teaching on conflict resolution today, but get this in your mind. Resolved conflict will always lead to a deeper relationship. I didn't have any deep relationships in my life until I was 19 because it would hurt and I would slap on a funny joke about a pinky toe and then I would move on to the next friend. And when I was 19, I had friends that loved me enough to grab me by my shirt and hold me in place and call me to a level of spiritual maturity that I did not think I was capable of. They bore with me when I wanted to run away. (laughs) 
Andy Peterson, I remember about nine months from being away from my family, I said, it's weird, I'm not homesick. And he said, I don't think you have a very good relationship with your family. Excuse me? I was like prideful. I've been here nine months. I haven't cried. I haven't been wanting to go home. You don't have a good relationship with your family. Andy had been investing in me. Andy had the relational change to pull out, to posit truth, to put love in my life. You need people like that. Because our default mode is not love and truth, it's to drift. The default mode of our hearts is to just get lazy and let that river take you. You need people that are going to pull you back. They'll speak truth that you can rely on to show up. Amen, church? About two pages of notes we did not get to. We'll save them from a different day. Sound good? No, you're supposed to say, let's go! No, I'm just kidding. That's fine. Let's pray. And then Braden and the band are going to lead us in a little something. And then I come back here and lead you in a little something more. Can we just stand right now all across this house? Stand up, please. If you're at home online, can you please stand up? Stand up right now. We're just creating sanctuaries in our homes. We're creating sanctuaries in your space. Lord, we're just coming in and experiencing you right now, Father God. Holy Spirit, God, we just come, God. Lord, I was praying on the way today, God, that we would come with an expectation to meet you today, Father God. Lord, I pray that we wouldn't put the responsibility on the worship band or on the pastor, on the staff or the stakes, God, but God, we take responsibility to meet you ourselves, Father. Lord, I pray, God, because you're wanting to. You want to speak to us. God, you don't need me to speak through to your people, God. You want to speak to them directly. God, I just pray right now you would just take the deaf ear and open it in Jesus' name, God. The person that you're trying to show something, God, but they're blind, God. Take that off of their eyes in the name of Jesus Christ right now, Father. Holy Spirit, speak to us right now, wherever we're at, Father God. Open our ears, God. Lord, I pray for freedom, Father. Not freakiness, God, but I pray for freedom, Father God. I pray for freedom for the boundaries, the chains that are holding you back right now, God. The things that are not, the barriers that you do not want to let down. God, we just break those off in Jesus' name. Oh, God. Hey, church, as Braden sings this song, receive this as a blessing. Receive this as a blessing. Father God, right now we just release blessing over your people, God. The favor over them, God. Jesus name come on church come on see together i will go